Well, welcome again. My name is Brad Jackson, one of the pastors here, and uh, we are excited. This is actually, I, I saw somewhere, this is Back to Church Sunday. Um, not sure what that means, but Minnesota makes a lot of sense. We go away for cabin life, and then we come back to church. So if that is you, we want to say thanks for being here. We are honored to have you. And uh, we started a new series last week that we're calling Echoes. And the idea behind this is that there are certain deep longings that we believe exist in all of us. And if we look at those longings through what Scripture says and through the person of Jesus Christ, we think that, that they cease to simply be an echo. Or another, another word that I said last week, like a signpost. You come up to a, a T in the road and you see a sign that says 30 miles this way is this town. Now, the sign isn't the town itself, right? You've got to take a ride and turn and drive there. And that's what echoes are. There, there's something deep inside that points towards that other thing. Last week we talked about spirituality. That we believe from understanding scripture that every person is created in the image of God. And that we're broken by sin, so it's simply an echo. There's something inside of us that longer, longs, that thirsts for, that desires a spiritual connection. And if we understand the story of God, and that he made us, that we've rebelled against him, but that God came, lived, died, and rose again to restore us, that echo for spirituality can actually become something more. It can become a relationship with the living God. This week we're going to talk about relationships, relationships, and next week we're going to talk about justice. I think it's going to be really intriguing. But talk about the echo of relationships, the idea that we are made for relationships. I thought I would start out by doing something that'll be really fun. We'll have a public sort of confessional time, and I want everybody to turn to the person next to them and tell them what your favorite reality show is. Everybody's a little serious to this morning. Now, I want, that, I want the person then that you told to stand up and say out loud what you... No. I was thinking about this. Uh, I actually am impressed that, that a number of you did that. Um, what intrigues me is if you turn through the channels and you look at all these, and I can't even start to list them, and they're on every channel now. But I think what's intriguing is you watch these reality shows and they're all about different types of relationships. You know, it's the Real Housewives of Orange County to Duck Dynasty to whatever the gamut of shows are. What intrigues us, I think, in our core and why we're drawn to them, both in their amazing beauty and their amazing brokenness, why we're drawn to them is we're drawn to relationships. There's something deep in our inner core that draws us towards relationship. It's interesting. I'll have a couple sitting in my office, premarital, meeting with the pastor, and they're looking into each other's eyes, just gazing with love. Everything's going to be good. And too often, I've had that same couple in my office five years later gazing with hate into each other's eyes. And how is it that heaven and earth, when it comes to relationships, can be so close right next to each other? N.T. Wright, who wrote a book called Simply Christian, an amazing book, sort of where I got the idea for this series, he said this, how is it that we ache for each other but find relationships so difficult? Isn't that true? In our inner core, I mean, I'm an introvert at heart, but I know I need relationships. I know I need community. I ache for it, but yet it is so, so difficult. And the reason is, as we've talked about, and it goes back to last week a little bit, it's simply an echo. 
It's not the relationship itself. It's pointing towards something that needs to be restored. So before we jump into Scripture, let me give, I think there's a few relational facts that we just need to say out loud that I believe are important for us to understand. Number one is this. We all have a relational world. Everybody, I don't care who you are, you have a relational world in which you live. From family to friends to your community to the other parents on the sports team to the PTA club to whatever the list is, you have a community of people that on varying levels you do life with. So we have a relational world. Number two, we all, and, and, and I want, if you're new here, we want to say this really loud. We all have broken, hurting, fragmented relationships, right? The best Christian in here, in this room this morning, has broken, hurting, fragmented relationships. And if you think where there's tension in your life, it often points to those broken relationships, I can remember vividly, I mean, I'm sure it happened before this, but I remember vividly the first time I had this relationship that was really challenging. It was fifth grade. And Robert Veely and Eric Short, I can remember names horribly, but these two names I remember. Robert Veely, Eric Short, and Brad Jackson, we called ourselves the three amigos. I mean, we were the cool kids. We thought we were the good athletes. Um, and they decided that I shouldn't be part of the three amigos anymore and kicked me out. It's shocking. I know. I know some of you are taking that in a little bit. But I vividly remember the feeling, that aching, that, that hurt inside of me because that relationship that I valued was now not what I wanted it to be. So we all have a relational world. All of us have broken, hurting relationships. The third truth I think we've got to own into before we jump in the text is this. We also all have really good relationships. For everyone that's challenging, we have a relationship that the majority of the time is in a really good place. Somebody that you're open and honest and real with and vice versa. It's just, it's good you look forward to being together. You can say hard things to each other and actually hear them well. And then the last truth is this. And probably the hardest truth we're all going to have to own into and we'll talk about as we go through, but we are all different. Amen? It's, it's one of the really practical things you've got to say out loud. We are all different. And that is one of the things that makes relationships very, very challenging. Now with that in mind, let's jump into Genesis chapter 2. It'll be on the screen. If you have a Bible, please feel free to open up. Um, Genesis chapter 2, last week we were in chapter 1. And chapter 2 sort of rehashes the creation story. And in verse 18 it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. Have you ever read through the Genesis 1, 2, and 3 story? And Genesis 1, time and time again, every time God creates, every time the triune, we saw that, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, every time they create out of the overflow of the love that exists among them, what do they say? It's good. Creation day 2, it's good, it's good, it's good. And it's actually this poetic rhythm in Genesis 1. And so when we get to chapter 2, verse 18, and it says it's not good, we should take note that in this story of a creator God, it gets to this point where God says it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. 
So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. And this, this is so important. But still, there was no helper just right for him. The narrative has this feeling of these animals come before. Even the, the interaction with God, it's like something more is needed. A triune God out of love creates us. And in this story of creation realizes that they also need to have relationship and community that imitates who we are. And so we keep reading in verse 21. So the Lord God calls, caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, he snored. The Lord God took out of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is the bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked. Underline this if you have your Bibles open. And they felt no what? Shame. The word literally means they didn't blush. The relationship was good. Now, this text, we, we could for sure talk about the, the idea that God created a man and a woman. And that's true, and, and I believe that's what marriage is. That's in the text there. But the more important thing that is for all of us, because this yearning for relationship starts here. It starts out of how we're made. And the story in this text points to the idea that we are actually made to be in community. And when God looks down and sees that it's not happening, he says, wait, something's wrong. It's actually not good. So this isn't just about marriage. This is about a deep yearning created in us that we are made to be in relationship with each other. We cannot fully reflect the image of God unless we are living in healthy relationships. And that's why we have that echo. That's why there's that signpost, that yearning for being in relationship. But yet, it's so challenging. It's interesting to me, if you read through the Old Testament, it it's basically feels like time and time and time again, you encounter relationships that are broken. Almost right away in Genesis 4, we get to Cain and Abel, and we have this brotherly battle that actually ends in murder. A few chapters later, in Genesis, we have the story of Jacob, Jacob and Esau. Two more brothers going on, and there's this envy type thing going on, wanting for something that they didn't have. And the story in Scripture is time and time and time again, the echo is simply just that. It's an echo. And we're living out of these sideways, broken places. It's intriguing in Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, the second half of the Ten Commandments are all about our relationships. Look at them. Verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother. Then you'll live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You must not murder. That's a very interactional, person-to-person -person type thing, right? You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Those are all relational things. 
The moment the fall happened in the garden, that echo became just that. We know we're made for it, but yet relationships are so, so challenging. And similar to the story last week, and if you're new to the whole Christian thing and understanding the story, the thing to realize that time and time again, it comes down to what Jesus has done for us. We cannot understand restored relationships until we understand what God in Christ has done for us. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Let's stop there for one second. The wall of separation that, that was dividing the Jews and Gentiles was very much a relational issue. The Jews thought they had the corner on God. They thought they had the corner on truth. And the Gentiles were inferior in their eyes. It's often how we act. One of my favorite things to do in the world is to go with my wife to the mall. And yes, you can tell her that. I don't enjoy the shopping. I love people watching in the mall. Like sitting out in the middle watching people. But you know what I do when I'm watching them? I'm judging. I, 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 in my broken state, I'm looking at people and I'm just, I have a comment for every person that comes by. And they're really good. They're witty, they're smart, but they're judgmental. But I think that's how we, we naturally are prone to react. That's the reason relationships are difficult is because we're sinners. And the way I view the other affects how I relate to them. So Paul keeps saying this in verse 15. <clears throat> he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and Gentiles by, by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because what Christ has done for us. This is such an important thing for us to realize. The very cross that saves us and forgives us and makes us right with God is actually the very same cross that restores your relationship with the people around you. So important. The very cross that saves and forgives and redeems every person who comes to Jesus Christ is the same cross when we see it for what it is that begins to restore and redeem and make right the relational world in which we exist. And so the echo, when we come to that, when we come to the cross, that echo begins to be restored, begins to become whole. An important fact for all of us to realize as we talk about this is we're not talking perfection. We're not talking, if, if you sort of decide, okay, I'm going to do that Jesus thing and I want to have my relationships restored, so I'm, I'm going to submit to the cross and what's going on, you're not going to walk out of here and have perfection in your relationships, right? It's a journey. It's a road that we begin to walk down. 
One of the most helpful passages, and it ties back to the creation story for me, is John 17. And it helps us realize how our relational world begins to be restored. John 17 says this. Remember, when we talk about creation, creation happened out of the overflow of the triune God. The love between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It was like a cup of water that that was being poured into, and then it just started to overflow. That's what creation was. The overflow of a God who is love. John 17 says this. Jesus is praying shortly before he dies. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Praying for you and me, by the way. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. Just as God the Father and God the Son are one. It echoes back to Genesis 1 and 2. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. The Trinity is one of the hardest things in the world to understand. One of the hardest things. My, my second daughter's name is Trinity, and she asked me this week, Daddy, why did you name me Trinity, and what does that mean? And I said, let's talk about that when you're 18 and figure it out then. <laughs> so there, there's a huge mystery side to it. But the parts that we know are that there is a mutual submission amongst God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That they're each completely God, but that they're all different as well. And I think we learn from that how to do relationships in the here and now. Every couple that comes into my office before they get married, out of this text and out of this story, I give them a couple of truths that I think are so important for their marriage. The first is this. I think this will help us as we follow Jesus, as we lean into the cross, help us have healthy relationships, growing relationships. The first is this. Healthy relationships, that echo becoming less of an echo and more whole, starts with having relationships that are built around mutual submission. In Ephesians, it it says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Healthy relationships are built around mutual submission. And if you read that Ephesians 5 story, the the idea is not wife submit to your your husbands. That's what's supposed to happen. I mean, it's that text actually, if you go on further, it starts with submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wife submit to your husbands. Husbands, what? Be ready to die for your wives. Your submission's gonna look a little more intense. But the heart of it is that submission is actually being for and building up the other. Biblical submission is being for and building up the other. If you begin to do that in your marriage, if you begin to do that in your relational world, if you see the other person and instead of saying, what can they do for me, you begin to say, how can I help them become whole? Relationships begin to look a very different way. Mutual submission. The other thing is this. And this is, I think, what, one of the huge things we learned from the Trinity. Is always allow for and appreciate the differences in each other. Super practical. But one of the most important things. My marriage is at its worst when I'm trying to make Stacy who I want her to be. 
My, friends, my friendships struggle the most when I'm trying to make that friendship fit some paradigm that I believe it should be instead of allowing for and appreciating the difference in those around me. If you begin to build your relational world around those two ideas centered in the cross of Jesus Christ, the echo will become a little less of an echo and your relational world will become more and more and more and more whole. A couple of next steps as you walk out of here this morning that I would encourage you to think about. One is, I think one of the most important things you can do is get into Christian community. The way to become relational whole, I think, happens when we're sitting in circles looking into each other's eyes. Asking hard questions, getting into Scripture, praying together. It is so important that you get into intentional Christian community. So important. There's going to be some next steps out in the lobby that we would love to invite you into around that. The other thing that I would encourage you to be for, to invite friends to, in two weeks we're going to start a four-week relationship series out of the book of Ephesians. And I think one of the things that churches and Christians, I know my heart needs more than anything, is I need to know how to have Christ-centered, biblical relationships. And so we want to talk about that as a church. What does it look like to have relationships that are about forgiveness, about building each other up? Because if you go back to John 17, he prays that we would be one as the Holy Spirit, as God the Father, as God the Son are one, so that what? The world would know and see. When you and I are reflecting relational wholeness, we witness the cross of Christ to the world around us in the most beautiful of ways. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that your word would pierce our hearts. And God, for some, it's encouragement towards following you. For a lot of us, God, it's seeing and realizing that sometimes we suppress that echo. We let relationships that are broken stay that way. We don't lean into community the way you invite us to. And so, Father, by the power of your Spirit, I pray that we would be drawn to your cross. And as we're drawn to your cross, God, that we would not only experience your love and forgiveness, but we would begin to live that out with the world and community that you have put us in. I pray this in your name. Amen.